No one ever talks about how hot it is to raise kids. Well, I mean, everyone talks about how hot it is to raise kids, but I don't know. No one ever talks about how great kids are to raise. But either way, this is an episode called Parents Just Won't Shut Up. And it's for parents to listen to other parents talk about these trials and tribulations. Because kids are great. I mean, kids can be assholes, but they're still great. You can be pissed off at them, they're still great. It doesn't matter. Because we love our kids, no matter what. And, uh, you know, we just want to keep talking about it as much as we possibly can. So welcome to an episode of Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Let's shut up and listen to this episode. more uh, you know relational like people are talking about their lives and how it af- how their work affects their family and relationships yeah. and stuff I but can totally see that how long have you been doing that for now me uh, doing what but by the way I'm totally gonna ask you again later about on about EMS yeah because I remember when you started yeah remember when you had this whimsical idea yeah it was after the flood <laughs> yeah um, I've been see I graduated uh, paramedic school uh, two years ago, so I've been doing it for five years now. Awesome. Um, but like I said, I, I um, took some time off of my job for my maternity leave, and then... Because you had a baby. I did. How old's your baby? He's a year. A year old. Yeah. He's... Make as much noise as possible. There we go. All right. Now I feel very <laughs> secure that I'm not going to make a lot of racket on this table. I'm actually going to lower this so I no, can no, no, see no. Do a little thing. better. One of these, I think I, I was actually considering just to <clears throat> just to fuck with the other guys that, that do the show with me because that's constant like eye contact between two other people was I was just going to build a four-way divider. <laughs> Be like, that's it. Be like AEP yeah, all over if again. If you can't hear me, then we're, you know, like, if you don't need to see me. Yeah, exactly. Like I wanted my little partition over here. So, all right. So I'm sorry. I totally interrupted you. You have a baby. How old is that baby? He's he's a year. He, his birthday was last week, so February twenty sixth. Super cool. Um, yeah, we I baked him like a banana carrot cake. I, it's a tradition. I always bake my kids a carrot cake for their birthday. Um, so I baked him a little cake and got cream cheese frosting and put him in the high chair and recorded it. Did a little Skype thing with my super cute. Yeah, because you got sisters and families. And yeah, I called my sister. Dad. Yeah, I actually didn't call my dad, but I sent him the video. There you go. Well, that's, you know, everybody, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't really talk to my mom that often. I just send her pictures and videos and, you know, we're only, what, 30 miles apart. (laughs) So, and I think I talk to people that live uh, 300 miles away more than I speak to my family right now. Yeah. Well, you have also another kid. I do. And let's start with him. Okay. Cullen. He is... He's 10, um, and, and he, actually, I had my son, Cullen, when I was um, 18, and I got pregnant in high school, and uh, <laughs> I remember, oh man, that's, that's another story, but um, my son, he is intelligent, he's smart, he's articulate, he's very emotionally mature. Yeah. Um, but he's in this phase right now, um, I guess, where he has to remind me every five minutes that he's a preteen. He's like, Mom. Oh, is a- he, how old is he? Is he 11? No, he's 10. He's 10. He's, he's getting just, there. He's, he's in this cusp of feeling like he wants to have a mature input in everything. Yeah, yeah. But um, he's not quite there yet. Oh, well, I have a 13-year-old in the house right now if you want to know how bad it's going to get. <laughs> no, thank I you. I just told him he couldn't go with his older <laughs> sister to go play ping pong at at the rail yard oh god isn't that a bar yeah and he's just like freaking out he's like it's for my stress i need to go oh like well i i don't care you know there are other ways yeah do your math homework yeah yeah. it's for my stress (laughs) so that's where i'm at with him Uh, and that's where you'll be very soon well i uh i caved i i got him a cell phone just because he's in San Antonio, mm-hmm. we—I mean, I share custody yeah. with my ex, 
and um, I see him, you know, the first, third, and fifth weekends. Okay. And, you know, I, I forfeited my um, once-a-week visitation because it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's like 150 miles. It's ridiculous. Honestly, <laughs> I, I did the same thing, and it was 15 miles for me. It's just sometimes it's just difficult during the week because that was on a Wednesday yeah. at like 6 p.m. to 8. Yeah, do you pick them up from... Yeah. From school and by the time you're you know through yeah. traffic and pick them up I mean, it's like all your time where's your time it's in the car yeah like <laughs> yeah. how quality we go is through that? a drive-through kid <laughs> you know no that's yeah that, that makes sense though i mean i don't know i wouldn't feel bad about that i don't know if you do or don't but i, I never really did because the reality was is that it's just difficult yeah i i guess i struggle with trying to forgive myself um you know unburdening that guilt because i do i have a lot of guilt about that i feel um you know there's a certain point which you have to say what's reasonable and what's not you know i live in gonzales which is in uh it's past it's off 183 past luling so if you're going okay so that's where you live now yeah we um we finally have a a little uh 12 acre piece of property out there oh well, that's wonderful yeah it's great i feel like i live in a little park like a national park when i look out my window yeah surrounded by trees and no that's super cows. cool it's really nice i lucked out and married up so i married into six acres oh so nice yeah how to it's i'm gonna like how i think i was thinking about doing like a like a ted talk for how to acquire six <laughs> acres of land with very minimal effort well you're you're gonna have to tell me about that because yeah. <laughs> You just got, it's, it's, it's a lot of chance. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you, you yeah. know. Well, you know, I, I, I told enough funny jokes and she thought I was good enough to marry. Oh. I think that was, that's what her reasoning was. So did she propose or did you? No, I proposed. <laughs> I actually have a, I made a ridiculous, uh, 10 minute video that I put on Facebook about my whole proposal. Oh. Thing. Yeah. Because it was a ridiculous story. I missed it. Oh, don't worry. You didn't miss much. <laughs> You know, but you can always go back and look it up. I, I need more views. Okay. No, um, but yeah, no, it was just kind of a ridiculous proposal. But it was a good night. It was just I did it. I did. I wanted to be really cheesy about it and do it on New Year's Eve. Mm. And we ended up at a spot that, like, if I knew I proposed in this one spot at midnight, it would have been. I, I wish she would have never let me live it down. It the most ridiculous place in the world for us to end up. So I was just like, all right, I'm just not going to propose. And then at the end of the night, we made it home. Like after the showers and everybody's like done for the night, I'm like, now's a good time to mm. propose. Mm. And it was. It worked out, you know, so. Well, you know, I'm really glad you planned yours. My husband did not plan his. All right. So, yeah. How did your <laughs> husband propose to you? Because that's a good segue. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I was pregnant. Very, very, very pregnant. And um, I kept nudging, you know. And I, and I had nudged him for probably about a year before we got pregnant about, hey, you've been together for two years now. You know, hmm. Things are, hey, boyfriend, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, so um, I suppose we went ring, we went to go look at rings, and it wasn't like, you know, he necessarily brought up the topic of proposal. Yeah. And he was like, hey, so I casually want to take you to the mall and go check out some rings, try them on. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? So I kind of had a, an inkling, but he sort of. Yeah. Um, I guess he, the next week or or so, he went out and took Cullen with him to buy the ring and then came home and sort of just handed it to me on the couch. And Cullen was like, Mom, Mom, I'm so excited. I'm like, Cullen, why? Why are you so excited? And then just kind of just slid it over. That's not too bad. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, you, you hear all those stories about people who have these, like, you know, over the top engagements yeah. and... Well, the assholes that put up those stupid videos of, it's a beautiful <laughs> day, and it's like a 45-minute proposal, I don't like them. Well, I can know. Pinterest the shit out of a proposal like that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but no, I, I feel you. I mean... And that's, I think that's kind of the, the, the thing. You know, I'm, I guess I'm more sentimental than he is, and I've learned in the years we've been together it's just the way it is yeah I'm just more sentimental yeah well i mean yeah he's probably he's probably a very nice guy though he is and and now i'm gonna stop you and tell you something i do love my husband very much yeah um but i do recognize that you know we're all human we all have flaws yeah, and we're all different it, exactly in the we're way all we different. express our our loves and all that kind of stuff and i i also think that 
we all meet each other in you know varying degree of um experience in life you know like some people are more relatable to certain things and some people are less relatable and i don't know i mean i feel like you need to meet people where they are yeah nope i feel you Hi, this is Sean with Parents Just Won't Shut Up, and I want to give a quick shout out to Anchor. Anchor is a podcasting platform which allows you just to load up your podcast, and it does all the dirty work for you after that. It puts it up on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Podcasts, all the different podcasting platforms that are out there. It's an amazing way to just get your information to go. And for parents that just won't shut up, it's an easy way for me to just do this. So, once again, thank you, Anchor. And if you want to put out a podcast, try Anchor, because if I can do it, anyone can do it. My ex and I met, um, I guess we met when we were in sixth grade, <laughs> and um, I had a huge crush on him I- even then, and um, he didn't really like me very much. But we were both in band, so we sort of stayed friends and um, went through junior high band and went got into high school, and he, um, he was really good friends with um, one of the folks I hung out with all the time in band. So I got to see him whenever we went to parties and things like that. And so yeah. I guess one one of his friends, his best friend's birthday party, we both of us just wandered off into the woods and sort of said, "Hey, I like you. I like you too." And you know, it's it was supposed to be a fairy tale. <laughs> after it was, it that. was love at first sight. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think he and I were both really old souls. I guess people would call us that. So it came really naturally. Yeah. Um, I think we both had a very deep understanding of one another. And um, it it just, it was really easy to be with him. And Mm -hmm. I could see a future with him really easily. I think that was the segue into how we ended up pregnant. Um, (laughs) So he graduated from high school um, when he was 17. He got homeschooled the last two years. So he by the time he was 17, he had moved out of his mom's house and yeah. had a job and had a, he was renting a trailer and burning ranches yeah. actually down the street from your house. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, it's, it is funny because I remember when I, when I met you, I was like, dang, he lived right at that, that little trailer right there. Yeah. That's funny. Um, yeah. But, uh, at the time when I was in high school, I had uh, like a tumultuous sort of situation with my dad. Um, my, like I said, my mom, my mom had passed away when I was 14. So mm-hmm. I lived with my dad. My stepmom also passed away a month after my mom did. So it was just like the whole world. It just oh, dropped yeah. out underneath me. Well, and that's I'm, hard. That's hard on anybody. Yeah. It was hard on my dad, too. Yeah. And he had um, uh, substance problems. So. Oh, okay. Um, it's you know at 17 i was an adult basically yeah i bought my own groceries i had a job i had a car and i paid my bills i paid my car insurance i had a cell phone i mean i was practically an adult yeah so when i came home and my dad was you know either drunk or drugging i just didn't want to be there <clears throat> so i called my aunt said hey aunt she's sort of like the head head person in charge for our yeah. family and I told her, hey, I think I'm going to move out. I'm gonna, I have a boyfriend. He's real stable. He's got a trailer. So I moved in basically with my ex at 17. And we fell madly in love with one another. And we're just, it was like us against the world sort of thing. And I was the high school drum major for marching band. So mm-hmm. I had a whole lot of responsibilities at that time. And I think a couple of the people recognized that I was no longer living at home. So... That became an issue later. Although I'm super impressed with how I was, like, looking back on it now, I'm really impressed at how I was able to handle all that. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I'm, being 17, yeah. having responsibilities, like, getting up at 6 in the morning and yeah. driving yourself to school. and I, Yeah, I'm, I, I did that on a suspended driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> it's it ridiculous. Yeah. I. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, I, I just really felt like, like I said, it was us against the world and... Um, I guess when you're in love and you feel like you want to spend the rest of your life with that person, even at such a young age, I knew that this man was going to be a very important role in my Mm -hmm. life. Um, And then when I was 17, I think it was, what, December? My birthday's in January, so I was still 17. I I 
knew something was different. Like I felt different. My body felt different. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, could I be, could I be pregnant? <laughs> and I thought, no, 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 this is stupid. Like I'm not pregnant. And I'm just stressed out. Right. Cause yeah. it's football season and I'm doing the marching band thing. And I have a whole lot of stress and pressure. I just thought I was stressed out. But, um, anyway, nope. Bought a test. It was pregnant. Actually, it was funny. I bought a test for my friend, too, because she thought she was pregnant. But I ended up being the one pregnant. Yeah, you, were, you were the winner. <laughs> the, the lucky number one right there. So, um, shit, hey, it got real. Yeah. <laughs> real fast. Um, and I was, you know, I was still smoking at that time. And I mm. remember um, the morning after I tested, I had a, like a half pack of cigarettes or whatever and threw them away and made a commitment to myself that I had to be this mother. I had to be this, I was taking, I was not only me, but I was me harboring another life. And, um, the weight of that hit me really hard. Yeah, I can see that. Matured really quickly in a matter of a week. I mean, I had things planned. It just felt like this real big pressure. You started nesting immediately. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so did my ex actually. He, um, he got a second job out of nowhere. Like he was a mechanic and working mm-hmm. in in a shop and he was helping to build guitars, but he actually got a job, a second job uh doing valet parking downtown in Austin. Like he was moonlighting yeah, yeah, yeah. valet just, parking just to make money cuz he knew that um you know, we were living on Haines Street. You know, after we we moved from <laughs> from Wimberley to so, Haines Street. Yeah. I brought my daughter home to 1024 Haines Street. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh my where gosh. I was that's funny. We lived on the corner right by the train, right, yeah. right across from HEB. So okay. every night we could hear the train oh, go yeah. by. It, it was, rocks you to sleep. I, I heard the train too, and I was just—I mean, just, just if you're just on Haines feet Street, away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're—you could feel it, feel it. <laughs> I could just hear it. So he got a second job. He was moonlighting in Austin, and um, I could see that he—he he was apprehensive. And for a moment there, both both of us thought, like, what, what do we do? Should we get an abortion? Yeah. Like, do we keep this baby? <laughs> Those are all very logical questions. <clears throat> How am I going to finish high school? Like dealing with that, having to show up in a group of your peers and be pregnant yeah. and not just be pregnant, but be a drum major, uh, yeah. a senior drum major pregnant on a podium. Like if I were a band mom looking at that now, how, what sort of like role would I be portraying to the other students there? Like it's okay to be, to, to yeah. behave that way as a, I, I just don't think people knew you really can't well, know. I, don't, I don't think they know they know now i mean and 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 i would i would i think if i noticed the band major let's say like the head of the, the leader of the pack pregnant as a parent now i would say well she's pregnant shit happens but at least she's still doing it yeah hopefully i mean you know i mean that's where i am with that because i was i was at a very young age too yeah. you know and shit happens it and does. you're uneducated you're ignorant to certain things. You just don't care. We get flippid. Yeah. And then reality sets in very quick and hard. <laughs> yeah. Those are um, <clears throat> a split-second decision. It'll definitely, uh, definitely change your life. But, you know, to a certain degree, I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. Yeah. And I knew that that was something that I was very passionate about. And it happened to me at a very young age. And it changed me and forced me to mature very quickly. Yeah. Um. But my relationship with my ex is good at this moment. To fast forward a little bit, we um, we decided that the military was going to be the way that we supported this child. Um, so after he realized the ramification of having, you know, uh, a girlfriend that was soon to be having your child, he decided that um, he was going to sign up for the army and that all the benefits of being in the military were wonderful. And we had health insurance. We had a steady paycheck. We had a place to live. I mean, we got to travel. Yeah. It seemed like a winning, winning solution. Well, I think at the time that was probably one of the best decisions that could have been made. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, hands down, I was considering it, you know, Yeah. I didn't do it for multiple reasons. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I want to ask you about that. <laughs> Why didn't you do it? <laughs> Oh, I I didn't I, I I would have joined the military 
the same year 9-11 happened. And that happened as I was talking to recruiters. Oh. And the day that that happened, I made my mind up then that I didn't want to. I, I wasn't looking at going to war. I was looking yeah. at going to college. Right. And I'm not, I'm not lucky. Yeah. I'm not one of the fortunate few that would like go unscathed. Whether I got shot or had the worst PTSD in the world, it would happen to me. Yeah. So I just assume. Are you Murphy? Yeah. Yeah. I am Murphy's Law. <laughs> if you look it up, there's a big picture of me. That's so, funny. Yeah. Oh, man. So yeah. he joined the military <clears throat> and you guys traveled. Where'd you go? We, we were stationed in Germany, actually. We lived in Germany for two years. That's cool. Did you do anything in Germany? Like you, like, or did y'all get sightseeing and all that yeah, stuff? I'm sure you did. We did. Uh, what was we, one of the coolest spots? Yeah, we. So being in Germany, you're right in the middle of Europe. You can pretty much take a train to get to most uh, attractions in in Europe. That I mean, they're just like an hour away. But yeah. um, Germany's really, like the size of Texas, isn't it? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, I mean, to us, from being from Texas, driving around in Europe was it was a no brainer, right? Yeah. Just travel 45 minutes and you're in, you know, Holland or wherever. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just, it's, it's great. But we ended up, uh, we ended up going to Paris. We went to France a lot. Um, we went to this place called Metz, Metz, France. Um, they had a huge carnival. I remember the, the Ferris wheel being just like a size of a skyscraper. Anyway, um, castles. Mm-hmm. We went to Heidelberg. Um, we went to, uh, gosh, we went to Rome. Oh, that's that, super cool. Yeah, Rome. That's our that's our like big dream trip right now. Like our anniversary gifts was uh, passports for ourselves. Oh wow! So we can go on trips. That's awesome. And we still haven't finished that part yet. We filled out all the paperwork. <laughs> We're the slowest couple in the world. Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rome was Rome was great. I say if you go to Rome, definitely go for a week if you can because there's so much to do and so oh, much yeah. to see. I felt awful. I'm like, I want to go to the Vatican. I want to go to yeah. the catacombs. I want to do the Spanish steps. I want to go here, the Pantheon. I want to see this, the Colosseum. There's just so, so much yeah. to do in Rome. Um, yeah, definitely go to Rome. Also, we went to Venice. And I'll tell you what, I fell in love with this little island. It's called um, Lido. Uh-huh. It's right off of uh, the Venetian, you know, coastline, but it's its own little community. They have their own, their own little way of life there. It's so cute. No, hardly anybody drives a car, right? There's one baker, there's one butcher, yeah. there's one ice cream shop. It's like Steve, Bob, and Larry. Exactly, and, and that's it, who you deal with. And don't get a hotel. Do the Airbnb or you know, go stay in someone's yeah, yeah. house. It just feels authentic. It feels great. You yeah. know, it's just it's that a real experience. Oh, that's yeah. that's pretty awesome. So where are you? So you're saying you get along now, but obviously you're not together, right? So you, somebody made a decision. Um, this is hard to talk about. So, like I said, my my ex was in the military, and he deployed to Afghanistan uh, for a year. And we were in Germany. We lived in the fourth floor of an apartment building. Basically, we had a two bedroom, one bath, little nook at the yeah. top. And I had this uh, infant child and my um, my favorite little dog, <laughs> my cocker spaniel. We were all stuck in this fourth floor apartment, and um, you know it was snowing. It's Germany. It's the middle of winter. There's two feet of snow outside, and yeah. the laundry room's in the basement. So I have to walk down like six flights of stairs to do laundry. So while he was deployed, we just thought it was better for me to come home and to be with his family. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. I mean, I, I, I've always wanted a sense of family. And yeah. so for a year, an entire year, 12 months, uh, I was back stateside while uh, my ex was in Afghanistan. Um, it's kind of cliche to say this, but I feel like in a way his experience um, being in Afghanistan on deployment um, affected him emotionally and kind of like, rocked the core of values of who he was and um it just felt like our relationship was never the same yeah. after he got home yeah and he kept me at a distance which was really crippling you know i felt abandoned i felt isolated i felt alone um it was hard to communicate with him and to connect with him emotionally um well that makes sense i mean i, I and i can't speak on going to war but i can't imagine going over there and and seeing 
anything that yeah. would you know you're definitely not used to everything's going to be a shock to your system the culture itself for an american to just go over there and you know i'm sure there's beautiful things over there to just go and do but not in wartime yeah. you know so no that's got to be hard on people and if it's not addressed you know and dealt with yeah appropriately absolutely it comes out inappropriately yeah you know and that not to say that it comes out violent or you know and anything any of that kind of just i mean just 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 not understanding how to make a true human connection afterwards because you keep everything at a distance. Right. I think that you need to, to a certain degree, I mean, I have a little bit of experience in this. Um, I mean, I'm a paramedic. I've been in some really rocky situations. I've seen some really terrible things. Um, I think looking back on it now on the situation, having known what I know now and experienced what I've, what I've seen, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really important for you to complete the grief. You know, yeah. like when you're when you're faced with a really difficult situation, whether it be losing a friend or a loss of some kind or being traumatized by a really awful situation, you have to forgive yourself and step back from that yeah. and complete it somehow. Yeah. I mean, talk about it. Go go get counseling. Or, um, you know, find a way to work through that. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I'm, I, how do I, I don't know how to like, I'm not really trying to compare myself to any of this other than I have, whenever I was dealing with, I, I dealt with kids that were um, sexually abused and or were, were victimizers or victimies or however you want to put that. Um, but just reading the paperwork can be an emotional, you know, the stress that in the moment, you compartmentalize because you were just dealing with moving forward and what you're going to do and what the program's going to be to get us through this next couple of steps. But if you don't unpack it and you just leave it compartmentalized, you just, that's just start how, you know, you just become. Yeah. It, it compounds. You know, yeah. You, yeah, you, you have a honeycomb of shit Absolutely. just stored in your head. Yeah. You know, that comes out in terrible ways sometimes. You know, so I, I can, yeah. yeah, I can see that being hard on every, anybody. I don't, uh, I don't blame him for, for that no. at all. Actually, I sort of, I really just want healing for him, you know? Yeah. Um, I think now, um, I, I was the one who initiated the, the divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if I'm being really, really honest, there were some things that happened, um, to me personally um, when he was gone that were traumatizing um, and I think had a, an effect on my own sense of intimacy, my own sense of mortality. Um, I was going to college. I was taking some classes while he was in Afghanistan and mm-hmm. I was partnered up with this guy <clears throat> to do a uh, English project and he uh, came on to me and I didn't recognize it. Yeah. And, um, I was, uh, sexually assaulted and I felt guilty about that later whenever, because I never really dealt with it. And I, I remember telling my mother-in-law about what had happened and I felt guilty because it felt like I cheated on him. Yeah. You know? That's um, rough. So I felt unfaithful yeah. and to be unfaithful to someone who is overseas and like, you know, in the military and serving his country. And yeah. it just felt like I had done something wrong to yeah. him. And, uh, well, that's, that's what happens when people, I mean, that's the whole thing of power plays for people like that. You know I mean? It's, yeah, it's rough to make it your fault. You know, it's, <laughs> it's the victims, you know, and it's not your fault. You know, and it felt, it, it certainly yeah. felt that way. And I, you know, I recognize now that it, it wasn't my fault, even though I had, I felt like I should have had control um <laughs> naivety is an amazing thing you know yeah. and also being young and immature oh, and not yeah. knowing how to say i mean they don't teach people really how to, they they pretend they teach people how to say no and how to hold court in those situations but you know when you're confronted by someone that's just being pushy and persuasive you know you don't realize what's what's really happening and that's that's rough on you so yeah so uh, among those things, also I think were the reasons why I decided to end the marriage. Yeah. And um, in retrospect, I wish I had done more to salvage our relationship because to this day, and I, I don't admit this to many people, but to this day, I have never loved anyone the way I've loved 
my first husband. Yeah. And I won't. Yeah. It's just, it's the reality of the situation. I feel like I've, I've never really connected emotionally on that level with anybody since. And, (laughs) um, I have regrets. And I think if, if I were to sit there and say, what was my biggest regret thus far in my life? I think getting a divorce is probably the top of that list. Aside from feeling like, you know, harboring a sense of like guilt over breaking up my family. My, I mean, giving my, I live with every day the, the, the mentality that I have given my son a childhood he has to recover from later. Yeah. As he grows into adulthood, he's got to deal with the fact that he lives with both dad and mom. Mm-hmm. That's that can be rough on kids, you know. And then with the whole, I I don't know. I I can't. I you know. I I'm 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 living with the idea in my head that I am trying to give my son and my stepdaughter and my oldest daughter, which whatever she's eighteen, she's good now, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the best childhood and the safest place to be when they're with me, whether it's quality or quantity doesn't matter yeah i want them to just know that when they're with me and when they're around me and i think your son probably felt the same way said he was safe and he could be happy he could be sad hopefully he felt the same way around his dad so there's always two ways of looking at it yeah and like i say to a lot of people who are in ems you know um your patient or your child in this case isn't going to remember what you said to them right they're going to remember how they felt how you made them feel no one's going to remember that you did an IV on this side or that side or whatever. They're yeah. going to remember the conversation and, and, and how you made them feel like they were safe, yeah. that they were taken care of, that they were loved and appreciated, or that you were kind. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Th- those no. are the things that they remember. Those are, those are really big, huge things, you know? It's a good, you could have a good epiphany with that one, you know, with the, with the kids. So you're doing EMS, or you're not doing EMS now because you have a new child. Yes. And you have since remarried. Yes. Um, and, and hold on, wait, wait, I'm going to interrupt this. And the, and the relationship you, are, have, you have with your, your first ex-husband, it, it, it's, on, it's on good terms right now. Yes. We are, um, we're great co-parents, I think, early on after we got divorced. You know, I sort of was like you know, wanting to try to rekindle the relationship. And he just, he cut it off super hard. He was like, I don't want to communicate with you unless it has to do with the child. I took that hard, but now I really respect that because it eliminates a lot of the drama. It eliminates the the emotion. When you take the emotion out of it, it's like, listen, I'm going to be here at six. I'm picking the kid up. If it has to do with Cullen, I'm going to respond to your text. If it doesn't have to do with Cullen, I'm not going to respond to your text. So, he sounds. I, I. I'm not taking anyone's sides here, but uh, he sounds like a pretty smart fella. He's you a. Know? Good, he's a good guy. I mean, guy. good. Good intuition on that one, because I know what it's like to have a really immature, stupid breakup, versus also having one that was a little bit less immature. But eventually, I learned, you know, like, oh no, we just don't have to communicate unless it's about the kids, mm-hmm. you know. And it was a lifesaver. So so easy, so yeah. much easier. I really respect that about him. Um, but yeah, he's about to he's about to get married. He's engaged. Well, good for him. I'm I love her, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and she and that's the other side is that hopefully you know you do like her and yeah. she's good around your son. She, it's funny. She reminds me of me. In fact, <laughs> one time we both like bumped into each other at the gas station. Yeah. We were wearing the same clothes. Oh, that's like funny. down to the hat and the sunglasses. I was like, whoa, this is weird. It's like bizarro. <laughs> that's wild. And you're listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. And you know what? We're here. We're doing it. Remember, this is on Anchor. It's on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcasting, Pockets, Pockets of Podcasting. I don't know, but it's something, and it's somewhere. So listen, whenever you're listening to this and you like it, you got to tell all your friends. Because if you don't tell your friends, we don't get an audience base. If we don't get an audience base, then they can't keep on affording me to throw me 30 bucks, $40 every time so I can do a stupid promo for them. So keep listening. So far, I think the interview is going uh, pretty damn decent, you know, and I really hope that you're enjoying it too. Have a good rest of the night. And remember, you're listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. I can never remember the name of that. But just so you remember, you're listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. And uh, find us on Facebook, Parents Just Won't Shut Up. And, uh, you know, you can like our page and then you stay up for more content.
No, you haven't. You have another. You have a baby. We've already talked about the baby just a little bit, and you're and you since have remarried. So how's all that really working out for you? Um, well, um, I got married a year ago in December. Actually, sorry, January. That's terrible. I can't blame him now for for getting our anniversary. What day did you get married in January? <laughs> uh, the seventeenth. That's funny. I got married on the twelfth. Oh, really? A year ago in January. Yeah, I remember inviting you to my wedding, and you were like, can't, I'm getting I'll, married. Yeah, I'll be at a wedding. It's <laughs> yeah. funny. And I apologize. I said I would send a present, and I never did. It's fine. We we got, we're, we're good. Yeah. His family's Jewish, so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> good grief. Uh, it was actually really, it was it was fun. I went I, to a Jewish wedding. My cousin, my cousin uh, married a Jewish lady, and it was like the funnest, one of the funnest weddings I've ever been to, just because it was just... The traditions are just fun. Yeah. Well, we didn't know? do any of those. We didn't do the chairs. And oh, we the, did the chairs yeah. and the spinning around. Yeah, I thought it was like fun. broke my arm or re-broke my arm. Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. Except I was pregnant, so I don't know anybody that would want to lift up a chair. Um, but anyway, um, right now, I have a one-year-old. We've been married for a year. Um, I actually met my now husband. He was one of my EMS instructors Uh-oh. <laughs> for EMT, not my paramedic school. But yeah. um, so you're a paramedic. I am. Okay. Yes. We'll go into that later. Yeah. Because it's fun to call a paramedic an EMT. They, they get, <laughs> you shouldn't. They take, you shouldn't take, do that. I have a cousin. I think she's a paramedic. Uh, and I call her an EMT, and mm-hmm. she like gets so. Oh, many. just call us ambulance drivers. Ambulance that drivers. That just it just makes the hair on our yeah. you know arm stand up. We just want to leave the room. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. How's that ambulance driver treating your uh, cardiac event there? Yeah. <laughs> you overpaid taxi drivers. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, it's funny. So I met, I met, uh, my now husband, he, after I graduated from my EMT school, we exchanged phone numbers and, um, they had all magically blossomed from there. Um, so we got married and had a baby. So, um, yeah, he, my youngest son, Luke, uh, his birthday was on the 26th of February. Mm-hmm. It was not the... Pregnancy and birth that I wanted. I ended up having um, gestational diabetes. Oh, uh, okay. And I was still working on the truck at the time, so yeah. I'm still. That gets rough because I mean that. I mean, you gotta be super careful about the amount of sugars and all oh, that intake. And then you can't get too low. Right. You can get too high. So yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the issue was for me. Um, I didn't realize I had gestational diabetes until my third trimester. Mm. So at that point, the damage had been done. I yeah. mean, I'd felt. Uh, basically my OB was like, Hey, listen, um, your baby's really big, right? We're concerned. We want you to redo the glucose test. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, uh, okay, wait, hold on. What does that mean for the baby? Is it harmful if you have gestational diabetes? It, I mean, it can cause complications for, um, for you personally, but I mean, it, but, but not like affecting the baby itself. <clears throat> not necessarily. Okay. Um, what what it does is it uh, it causes sometimes it can cause a high birth weight sometimes okay uh, it can just make your child a little bit bigger it can make delivery a little harder um, you know you need to, to basically be careful because gestational diabetes can affect mom which affects baby right yeah so yeah you just you, you need to to make sure that you're testing your blood sugar that if it gets above um, you know 100 120 you, you can end up with some kidney problems or I mean later down the road or yeah. develop um diabetes uh just regular type yeah. 2 or type type 2 diabetes. Yeah, the one that they I don't know. I think any diabetes probably sucks. Uh, it I was going to say the one that sucks, but I'm sure they all the, suck. They all they're all equally yeah. terrible. So you were still working a truck? I was. I was on the truck, um pregnant. I uh <laughs> I had fun actually. I had a really great partner. He he was um he was my captain at the time, and then he became my battalion chief, and he was very protective over me. I had some really sketchy calls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can only imagine. Uh, and um, they moved me out to the station in Dripping Springs, which has um, less, kind of a less call volume, a smaller yeah. call volume. So, But the calls there are more serious, right? People in the country don't really call EMS unless yeah. they have a serious issue. Cardio. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but... We ended up running, I remember, a really 
terrible um, accident. Guy wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and he went 100 miles an hour and slammed right into a light pole. Wow! Did he live? He did actually. Man, we had to. That's crazy. We had to extricate him from the car, which means we had to pull the car off of his body and uh, basically pull him out. He was stuck to the to the car. <laughs> yeah. So we had to detach him from the vehicle. But I remember that whole call. It was kind of like the pivotal point right before I, I had had the baby, where I had done some of the most critical interventions. Um, I had. I mean, I just graduated from paramedic school, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm still working with an FTO at this point, which is a training officer, kind of oversees your training. Um, it's like being a, you know, um, a specialist in the military. You get the title, but not the pay, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember I had to innovate this guy because... He wasn't um, responsive, and he couldn't protect his own airway, and he was bleeding in his airway. Later, we found out he had fractures in his face and, and all that. But I remember that call very vividly because I had to maneuver over all the wires in the back of the truck, and being pregnant, it was just – it was I was so clumsy. I mean, yeah. like, you, you're off balance. Your, your blood pressure is lower, and I'm getting lightheaded, and I remember just sweating and thinking, I got to push through this. I got to innovate this guy. I need to start a line. I need to give him meds. I have to stabilize his pelvic fracture. Like all of this stuff that was going on, this guy had every injury you can imagine. Yeah. And he was dying right I in front only, of us. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, luckily, the hospital that we took him to wasn't, it was in Kyle, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't too far. So we were, we went from, um, what was it, Post? No, I don't care. I can't remember the name of the road, but 123, Highway 123 yeah. to Kyle. So, I mean, it wasn't, it felt like an eternity. Me yeah, trying well, to no, yeah, hobble I mean, over all you're... that stuff. <laughs> and yeah. I had to wear suspenders, right? Because when yeah. <laughs> when you have the uniform on, you can't can like that. zip up your pants all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to like tuck. Anyway, being pregnant and being a paramedic, people don't talk about a lot of the challenges you have to deal with. Like mm-hmm. trying trying really carefully not to lift a patient in a certain way. Yeah, because you, you can like you can tear Right, you can get a hernia, yeah, hernia or yeah. Um, back injury. I yeah. mean, there's just a plethora. Have a baby, <laughs> right? Going to preterm and labor. And there we go. Which is exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, not that I had the baby. I, I went into. Um, I had uh, pre labor. Basically, I was having contractions in yeah. my third, the beginning of my third trimester. So, my doctor was like, "Hey, yeah, I yeah. admire what you're doing, but you need to stay home now." Yeah. So I got pushed off the truck at the beginning of my third trimester and basically just sat there and had, you know, trying to get through uh, those contractions. So when it came time to have the baby, (laughs) um, he wasn't going to come out the right way. He was what they call um, not breach, not total breach. sideways? Yeah. Yeah. He was transverse. Watermelon. Right. That's what they call it. That's the the medical term. (laughs) Watermelon baby. Right. So he wasn't going to come out the way I wanted. I wasn't going to have my natural birth the way I wanted. I had a C-section. It was awful. It was traumatic. And um, if you can avoid that at all costs, do it. Because uh, I almost died, actually. Um, (laughs) In the middle of my C-section, my my husband was peeking over the the blind. And he said that um, they had watched the doctor. He had watched the doctor pull my bladder out and set it aside. And, um, he pulled your bladder out. Yeah. Uh, that's probably why I couldn't pee right for like a week after. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he, he pulled my bladder out and, um, I remember reaching up and my husband had looked over the curtain and my husband's face just went white and I started panicking and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And uh, I felt this huge rush, right? As the baby was, and they, they were pulling the baby out. And it felt like, it's a feeling I can't even describe. I was numb, but I could feel what was going on. Yeah, it It's like a pressure. Icky. Yeah. It was like a vacuum where they had just ripped the baby out. And um, we didn't know what we were going to have, right? We, so so we, it was a surprise? It was a surprise baby. <laughs> I, I so wanted that. <laughs> yeah. And they held the baby up and my husband is looking at the baby and the doctor's like, tell her what it is. Tell her what it is. And he couldn't see. He was like, I don't know. It's bloody and it's screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and they open uh, Luke's legs and Matt, he just like, Oh, it's a boy. It's a boy. And uh, I remember af- just after that, I I felt this overwhelming sense of doom. 
It was mm-hmm. instant, like doom. I don't feel well. What is happening? Yeah. And I hear people talking in the background, like, um, yeah, I need like, this, I need this, I need this, yeah. I need this. And I heard TXA. They were calling for TXA. They're like, we need to get TXA on board and go ahead and get the Versed. Yep, we're getting ketamine. I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? And then I knew instantly, oh my God, I'm bleeding out. Yeah. They're, they're calling for... Uh, a drug that clots your blood basically mm-hmm. to stop to form a blood clot to stop bleeding, which is um, or a drug basically they use when postpartum hemorrhage, right? Yeah. Um, and it hit me that I I was bleeding out for some reason. I guess they had hit um, a vein or they had cut yeah a I major mean, artery. A million things can probably happen. In that yeah, situation. I know, right? Um, and they were my uh, my husband told me that he looked over the curtain and they were shoving um, towels inside of me to stop bleeding. That's freaking wild! And man. it's um, wild that we can do that to people. And that yeah, I know, <laughs> it is. And he said that the floor was covered in my blood, and he didn't know if I was going to live or die. And he looked over at the monitor, and my pulse was one fifty, yeah. my blood pressure was fifty over forty, and. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was panicking. For the so. layman's, that that just means bad. That means death, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, if you don't do something now, good thing yeah. it was in an operating room, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they knocked me out. They gave me um, Versed and ketamine. So mm-hmm. both together. It's either, it's funny. Whenever I give drugs to patients in the back of the ambulance, I have to pick, right? You know, yeah. it's either ketamine or Versed. If you ever you know, do or- me... <laughs> I want both. I've got a red beard. <laughs> right? I have a high tolerance. Uh, duly noted. Yeah. But when you get both, it's all I remember was just I could hear myself breathing, and I was really, really mad that they didn't put in an adjunct, like a something like a NPA or you know keep my airway open. Yeah. I just remember hearing myself snore, and it was so annoying. <laughs> Why am I snoring? And uh, I kept thinking, uh, I, what is what is I? Like I went to that place yeah. where you're like, what, what is this? Yeah. What am I? I think, <laughs> I think, I, I mean, it's a scary story, but it's also like a really beautiful story right. at the same time because our brains are amazing <laughs> about where they can go, you know, near death experiences. And I can, I, that's one thing. Now I'm not trying to outdo you with your near death experience. Your sounds way crazier than mine, but just like, I remember in the short time of flying through the air, before bouncing off of asphalt at 70 miles an hour, however fast I was flying, you know, yeah. just going, I see that bug on that blade of grass. It's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And who am I? And yeah. all this is going to end very yeah. soon. It was so euphoric. <laughs> and then I bounced and I went, oh shit. That hurts. This hurts so bad. I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Mm. I akin it to being in the matrix, yeah. right? It just all felt so... It's the awakening. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Have the... you ever seen Flatliners? No. You should watch that. It's a really neat It's a really neat movie. It's an older movie from like the 80s, and it was a bunch of medical students, and they were like killing themselves, <laughs> but, but bringing themselves back. Oh, yeah. And it was so they could get that like ultimate euphoric rush of, wow. a, of, a, of a near-death experience. Better than like, drugs, right? They were technically dead for like <laughs> three minutes, you know? Like, yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. I don't yeah, know that I would do that. I don't think I'd do that either. <clears throat> Even in a room full of medical students, I'd be like, yeah. doctor, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, I think the whole thing of the, I don't, I don't remember how it ends or how it really goes, but I just remember the concept of the movie itself was like, I'll check it oh, out. This is pretty wild. Yeah. It's an old with Keith or Sutherland's in it, I think. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Or Heath or the son, not, not the dad. Uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with my life right now. Um, I don't have a perfect marriage but who does yeah. um i feel like you know marriage is hard relationships are hard you just yeah. you have to work on them you know it takes work you have to to make an effort to communicate you have to make an effort to do all the things that you need to keep your relationship alive mm-hmm. but um my favorite part of my life right now is being a mom and yeah. i think i am very grateful um to have my little boy, my Lukey. Yeah. <laughs> Call him Lukey. He makes me laugh. He has an incredible sense of humor. I can tell now that he's just going to be the light of my life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. Um, his smile, he, he looks just like his daddy, which is yeah. 
it's endearing. I get to I get to see him even when yeah Matt's uh, gone. He uh, my husband works offshore. He's um, okay. That's what I was going to ask you. What does he do? Yeah, so he is he was an EMS for um, nine year eight, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we were actually worked for the same company, but he um, he quit his job to uh, be a commercial diver. So oh, okay. He he actually wow. was a commercial diver before he got into yeah. EMS. He's doing the deep deep dives. He hasn't gotten any deep dive work yet. Oh, okay. He's been doing mostly, um, you know, no gas, no yeah. gas jobs, just okay. Uh, umbilical. Okay. Um, but yeah, he he seems to love it. He likes repairing pipelines. He does underwater welding. He does. Yeah. Um, I was going to go to school and, for that. That was another thing I was going to almost do. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool career. It is. It is. It's really neat, and the the money can be great. You know. You just gotta save. Yeah, yeah. That's it's like, the thing. Yeah, I think you you probably more experienced with that. I think when I met you, you were working. It was oil filled. Yeah, yeah. No, money money was outstanding, and if you spend it like an asshole, that's pretty much what you know. Yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. But uh, if you're smart and you set some back whenever you get laid off, it's not too big of a deal. Yeah. There's, I mean, like any job that's seasonal, there are busy and slow seasons, and yeah. the winter happens to be a slow season for diving. But is there ever a slow season for like EMS or EMT? No. Or ambulance drivers? No. Never never no. a slow season for them? <laughs> Not you really. push that button and make the noise and <laughs> go down the road. You can run all the red lights. Um, it's not as cool as it sounds, but yeah. there are moments where I'm grateful for, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do something like that um, and to be able to be there for somebody on their worst day. I know? just realized that my cousin is not EMT or paramedic. She's a firefighter. Oh. So if she hears this, which oh. I hope she does. <laughs> That's a totally different I beast. totally... Well, she works with them, and she's always talking about them. They work hand in hand. So she actually rides on an ambulance every now and then. Yeah, you have to be an EMT to yeah. be a firefighter, well, yeah, by the but, way. But she's, a, but she's a firefighter. Oh, like, got you it. You don't, you know... Like, yeah. I, I realize that, and I think everybody else would, but if, she, if you go, what do you do? She says, I'm a firefighter. Yeah. You know. It's a... It's a thing. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're not. You know, you're you're part of a, a a very select group of folks. She's still fun. She wears sleeveless shirts in public. You know. So oh hell yeah! <laughs> I make fun of her all the time. That's I was in Colorado and she had on like on like a Harley Davidson sleeveless. And this is like making her sound like she's like some crazy trailer, <laughs> but she's not. She's just like one of these like really cool hipster ladies. You know. So she had on like the the ironic Harley Davidson All American sleeveless T shirt, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna put mine on too." And she goes, "Oh, you have one?" I was like, "No, because I'm normal. I don't wear things like that in public. That's uh, odd. That's cool. Yeah, you got to be you got to be a different kind of yeah. a different breed if you're gonna be a female and a firefighter. So how, what's his schedule like? Is he like 30 days on and 30 days off, or <clears throat> so? Uh, right now he basically, he's contract. So they call him, he shows up, he does the job. He never knows when he's going to get the next job. So I think that's the biggest issue with, yeah, that um, can be difficult with where we're at right now. Yeah. I mean, uh, steady, steady job working for the same company, you know, all the time with benefits and stuff is ideal, but that's not where we are right now. We're working up to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a stay at home mom. Um, I'm with the baby, the baby all day. And it drives him crazy, but it also is very rewarding. Yeah. Um, we are still... No, there's a lot of good bonding. Yeah. You know. It is. Um, I'll never get... To, and I, I have to stop myself sometimes and remind myself that I only get this this time, this intimate time with him for a short period of time. Yeah. Right? And it's different. I mean, I'm lucky enough to... And I say lucky because I choose to be uh, in this ma- mindset, right, that... I get to be with my kids uh, exclusively, mm-hmm. right? So I've got a huge age gap between kids. One's 10, one's one. Yeah, that is a big age gap. I'm in this unique position where I'm able to be with, I was able to be with both children. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, and and be with them through that, that infancy, through that first year. And um, I didn't have any distractions, right? So with Cullen, it was me and Cullen. Yeah. We were in the apartment in Germany. It was just the two of us, right? Now that um, Cullen's with my ex throughout the week, and it goes sometimes between two weeks but between when I see yeah. him, I get all this uh, individualized time with my infant. Yeah. Right? So it's like starting all over again. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> no, it is. It, yeah. It, it really, yeah. I, I, I know what you're, I, I, uh, sorry. I know what you're, I know what you're saying though, and I, I get that. And that, and, and I, I, and there were certain things that like, there were sometimes like whenever I was with Zeke, 
and I had Zeke a lot more, a way more of a different relationship than I have with my daughter. I felt there were some times where I just felt bad, you know? But, I mean, just because it's like I was able to grow a little bit. I was a little bit more mature. My relationship, I, you know, I handled things differently in the way I would handle things with him versus with her, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, I, and like, you just know. And especially for, for me, being the father, you know, um, I just, I learned that I really knew that I needed to make that connection. You know, with my daughter, I knew that I wanted to make that connection. And, there was, and I know I did, you know. I don't know how, but I did because we have a great one now. But with with Zeke, I just knew that I like needed that to to make it happen. Yeah, and, and I did. It, you know, it's work. Yeah, it's and work it is to work. And then I felt bad sometimes for like I would think about with my daughter. I'm like, oh, you know. But mm-hmm. we got to forgive ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. And that's pretty much that's it on that, you know. Yeah, so. I, I often have to think about what I'm going to say to my ten year old before I say it. I've done that yeah. for years, where I'm very selective about. You yeah. know, how I articulate certain things and, um, you know, what he's exposed to. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. ultimately I feel like kids are sponges, right? Oh, They're yeah. a reflection of you and um, they will do and say and be yeah. the people that you are. They'll look at you as an example and say, okay, well, you know, mom said that, so I guess I'm okay to say that. Yeah. You know, Colin came up to me the other day and was like, mom, and he said something. I can't remember what it was, but. He used the word hell in a oh, sentence yeah. for the first time. I'm like, what? Where did you hear that? He's like, well, it doesn't matter where I heard it. Um, okay, but we're not supposed to. I don't want you saying that. That's that's not a, an yeah. okay thing to say. He's like, well, my dad lets me do it. Oh, I've heard yeah. my dad say it, and I've said it in front of my dad many times. And, and he, he doesn't cor- shut me down. He doesn't correct me. I'm like, well, <clears throat> Colin, look around. Where are you right now? Yeah. Are you at your dad's? <laughs> Yeah, see, so my thing with my kids about what they say, and well, and I and I can be kind of sometimes particular with them, but it's I more or less read the room. That's my rule: is read the room, man. Yeah, that's a good you one. Know? I should use it's, that. Yeah, if, when you're at my mom's, you're not going to talk to my mom the way that you would talk around me or to me, you know, because we right. joke around and we have a different dialect, essentially, you know, dialogue. And uh, with my mom's, you know, she's very very conservative in the way that you speak unless it's me talking to her for some reason we you know whenever we get together we just cuss up a storm it's pretty <laughs> funny you know but yeah. um well great it sounds like you're at a good spot i hope so <laughs> well you're at a good spot and you're working on it and at least you know that there's work to be done and yeah. that's i mean that's every relationship so what is it you know yeah that's the point it is um i think um yeah i you're right. I am in a good spot. Yeah. I kind of have to remind myself that sometimes, but I hope to keep it um, to keep it working. Yeah. I hope to keep my relationship. Uh, I want to look at it like a not a job, but it is. You yeah. Know, well, they are the relationships are work. It's just how much you know. I don't know. I mean, my relationship that I have with my wife, it's a great relationship, and we love each other dearly. But it's still work, and we mm. still get on each other's nerves. Mm-hmm. We still, you know what I mean? I mean, we just try not to go to bed mad, but, you know, whatever. Sometimes <laughs> you just go to bed mad. It's just what it is, you know? It happens. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, you know. All right, well, we are at the wonderful, going to be close to my top of the hour for the podcast. Awesome. So I think this has been a beautiful uh, conversation I've had with you. I'm so glad that you came in and did this. And my final question that I ask everyone and I can officially finally just say that because I've asked everyone, is is if we could go back in time and you could just redo it without kids, and you would never know, would you do it? Would you just go your life without having them? Uh, no, never, no. no. So far, no one has answered yes to I that. I love my kids. I love them. Yeah. I, I try to say that I would say yes to that, but I know I wouldn't because <laughs> they make me who I am. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming. Okay. Go for it. Thank you for wasting your time and listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Okay, say it again and say it a little bit slower. Wait, how, how slow? Just a little bit slower. Okay. Thank you for wasting your time and listening to Parents Just Won't Shut Up. Awesome. Fortunately, I have the key to escape reality 
And you may see me tonight with an illegal.